So, if you've been with us for a while, we've been slowly making our way through the book of Ephesians. And today, I decided that we're going to kind of jump around just a little bit. We wrapped up chapter 4 last week, and I'm going to jump ahead to the last half of chapter 5 this week, only because... I feel like we already covered, um, somewhat accidentally, the first part of Ephesians when we were in the Fight Club series. You remember, if you were here, remember verse 1 of chapter 5, be imitators of God. Remember that verse? Remember talking about that? Be imitators of God. Why? Why did Paul say? First of all, we say, why, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for setting the the, the bar this high (laughs) to be an imitator of God. But how did he say that we do it? Anybody remember? as dearly loved children. Amen? So it's not something that we do, but it's something that we already are when we were adopted into the family of God. And then Paul told us to remember, what's the next verse? To walk around in that love. Walk around, spend some time with God, get to know his love so that when you walk out the door, you're splashing around because you've been walking around in that puddle of love you've been, and you walk it out back into the neighborhood. Come on. So I could go back into that, but it looks like, it sounds like you guys already got it. <laughs> but that's so good. So the last chapter of Ephesians um, um, is talking about honoring your parents and putting on the whole armor of Christ when we get to um, chapter six. But before we get there, Um, We have some special things lined up. Next week, the amazing Reverend Patricia Messer (laughs) is going to be sharing a message titled Love in Motion. Um, I was in her um, outreach team meeting a couple weeks ago, and I thought to myself, before the holidays hit, we need to get her passion and zeal and love for our community up on this platform. And so uh, to prepare, get, prepare your hearts for that. It's going to be an awesome time. You're going to get your heartstrings pulled. I know it's going to be good. And then the, the weekend after that is Destiny's annual Youth Lit Sunday. So we've got some good things coming up the next couple weeks. Um, so today... <laughs> We're getting to some verses in Ephesians that talk about the husband and the wife. And uh, some of you start sweating under the collar a little bit (laughs) when we get to this part of the scripture or anywhere around the word submit. And so I think it's because this section of verses and maybe some other passages that are similar to this one in scripture have been taken out of cultural context and out of context in God's word that they're found in. And, and, and these verses have been preached and taught in a way that one way or another are contradictory to what I believe is the heartbeat of what Paul's been saying to us all through the beginning of Ephesians. And so I want to wrap this message this morning in the context of everything that we've been talking about in Ephesians so far, because we're still in the book of Ephesians. And so maybe you'll even still like me when this is over, <laughs> maybe, and God's holy inspired, God breathed word of God (laughs) when this is done. And don't worry um, if you haven't been here because we'll catch you up. But I'm going to focus in on just three verses this morning. And I realize that there's several verses that we could delve deeper into chapter five, but that would require digging into some deeper historical and cultural discussions that would kind of sidetrack what I think the heart of what I I want to get to and what I think the heart of is of what uh, Paul is sharing. 
So Pastor Brent, he's, he's, he's a really good teacher on this subject, and he gave me a list of books that I put on the back side of your notes that if you want to go deeper into this discussion, there you have it, okay? <laughs> and maybe we'll, we'll bring him back when, it, when we get to the real nitty-gritty. <laughs> but um, I, this, is, this, is a, this, is a, this is an important, I think, um, topic this morning. And um, so let's start, let's stand up. And let's read God's word this morning. We love your word, God. Reveal your truth to us this morning. So let me just read these verses to you and you can follow along. We're going to be going to Ephesians 5, starting with verse 21. We're going to read uh, 21 and 22, and then we're going to go down to verse 25. So verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Jumping down to verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your grace, first of all, this morning. God, thank you for your grace that covers everything. God, we thank you for the way that you love us first, God, and and help us, show us this morning how to love each other. God, in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for grace for the pastor as well. (laughs) So when we get married, we all come into marriage and, um, and romantic relationships. And this is, this is, this is going to be truth that all of us can apply this morning. But we, a lot of times we come into marriage with a big focus on us and you know, we can't help it because that's what we've been all about up to that point, right? Because all we had before that is us. And, and so I walk down the aisle and, you know, we imagine there's, things are going to be a certain way, you know, and I hope it's going to be this way. And I dream it's going to be this way. And I know and I'm hoping and imagining that I'm dreaming that she's going to act this way, <laughs> right? And it's going to feel or it's going to function this way. And so we have all these, these ideas. So we walk down the aisle with a big box of desires and dreams and wishes. And of course we do. I mean, you know, you wouldn't get married if you don't have some dreams or wishes and desires, right? So we have some dreams and wishes and desires that we put in this box, you know, about how the money is going to be spent, right? <laughs> We have some dreams and wishes, desires, maybe that we're going to have a baby, maybe one year down the road, maybe two or three babies a few years down the road. Maybe there's enough babies in the world. You know? <laughs> we have some, some dreams and desires about, you know, maybe what you're going to be wearing to bed, honey. What are you laughing about? <laughs> we, there's wishes and dreams about, you know, maybe you're going to earn a certain amount of money when, I, when we go into this relationship. And we have all these kind of preconceived ideas. Some of these things, you know, very innocent, but they're there. 
And so we have all these wishes and dreams and visions for the future, and we can't help that, right? I mean, part of it is just, you know, it's, it's just there. And then we say, I do. And then somewhere between I do and at the end of the honeymoon and somewhere between I do and that first month of, or maybe that first year of marriage, you know, something interesting happens that a lot of times we're totally unaware about. And these very legitimate wishes start making their way into this box called expectations. <laughs> and you start thinking about, well, you know, we've, we've been married now for a while. You know, when, when are we going to have those kids? And I thought we talked about three. Did we talk about three? And you start putting them over here in this box. And, you know, we start where I thought, didn't we have a conversation about this? Didn't we have a conversation about, you know, what we'd be wearing to bed? And you say, what about that? Or, or what about, you know, that vacation? We always talked about that Walt Disney vacation. We're going to take those kids on when we get those kids. And we're going, what about that? You know, how come, how come that hasn't happened yet? Oh, and that job, that promotion. Honey, come on. And, and what about my job? How come I'm still at home? I thought we talked about this. And you know, we started out, we had this starter home. <laughs> but what about that upgrade that we were talking about? You know, we were gonna start at this place and then we were gonna move to that new neighborhood. And then of course, when we get to that neighborhood, you know, we're gonna do a little bit decorating. And I have some expectations, right? I have some expectations about the way things are gonna be. And we don't know how this happens, but in every marriage we come down the aisle with some dreams and wishes and desires and a lot of times we walk with then expectations. It comes to that place and what was fun to talk about and dream about suddenly becomes a burden on our spouse. And so without ever meaning to, we dump our desires and dreams and wishes there and they begin to feel like expectations. And something very insidious happens when, it, when that process takes place. And so the nature and the, the, the dynamic of your marriage changes and it moves from, hey, you know, how can I discover your wishes and dreams and you know, what you have and the, to, to the place of, well, I have some expectations and how come they haven't happened yet? And so you never defined it this way, but here's the reality. You kind of find yourself in a debt debtor relationship with your spouse and it's I owe you and you owe me and I'll get my way just you wait and see you know? <laughs> and so the point is that we get to a place where all of a sudden maybe there's a sense in which you, know, you owe me I mean come on after all we said I do you're my wife that's what wives do right or after all you're my husband I mean, when you said I do, you took on the role of the husband, and there's just some things that husbands do. And I'm expecting you, in other words, I think you owe it to me to fill in the blank, whatever it is that thing is, right? You owe it to me to keep the house a certain way. You owe it to me to provide a certain kind of living. You owe it to me. After all, you married me. You vowed. You promised. You're my husband. You're my wife. And we said, and these things go into the expectation box. 
But when a marriage slips into the debt and debtor relationship, begins to weed out the romance, doesn't it? The sense of intimacy and the sense of community and what started out as a covenant starts leaning towards a contract. And what started off as unconditional becomes very conditional. And you find yourself locked in this tension and it almost seems impossible to solve. And there are good times and there are pleasant times, but that doesn't last for long if you get to the point where you're just managing expectations. So imagine a marriage where you take these expectations and you put them back in this box and your marriage is about seeking to know the dreams, the desires, the passions of your spouse. Where this box over here is empty, but you seek to serve the best, the dreams of the one that you love. Imagine that, that you try to discover what's in your spouse's desire box and doing everything in your power to fulfill her wishes and desires. Imagine a marriage where your wife was constantly trying to figure out what's in your wishes and dreams and desires box. And she did everything in her power to simply find out what are your wishes, your desires. And imagine coming home every day and functioning in a marriage where you didn't feel the burden of expectation. The burden of trying to live up to the standard that you can never quite live up to. And so all of a sudden, all that was gone. Imagine a marriage where the expectation boxes gets to the place of being empty. Transitioning things from expectations back to the dreams, it hinges on one simple question. What do you believe your spouse owes you? Your answer to that question tells you what's in this box right here. And what's in there, let me suggest, is what will stop your progress to moving forward and along in your relationship. It's all about fulfilling and satisfying the desires of the person that, that you're married to as opposed to living up to their expectations and expecting them to live up to yours. So today, I want to tell you what they owe you, all right? And I believe then that we can get somewhere, all right? In order to empty this expectation box, you have to answer the question, what does my spouse owe me? And let me give you the answer I believe that Paul would give to this question. What does my spouse owe me? The answer is nothing. They owe you nothing. In a healthy marriage, you conclude, my wife, my husband, owes me nothing. Now, before we get too much pushback, let's spend a few minutes defending this statement. So you see, here's what I think Paul knows. We're about to discover as we look in, uh, at these few verses together. A, a healthy marriage, a Christian marriage, is not where you throw a Bible dart at one verse or two, and you say things like, well, the Bible says that you're supposed to love me unconditionally. Or, well, the Bible says you're supposed to submit to me. 
should I, as a follower of Jesus, use the Bible to try to control the other person's behavior through a verse that I've kind of just lobbed a dart at? Or how about trying to apply that verse that maybe, you know, doesn't apply to me, but that you want to have applied to everybody else? <laughs> it's not a biblical marriage or relationship when it's just focusing on you or one person. So, so that's just trying to use the Bible to try to convict and control another person, which is not a good thing. So here's the answer to what does my spouse owe me? They owe me nothing. And so if that scares you, I understand that. But that's the answer to the question. If you really want to have a Christ-centered marriage or relationship, I'm telling you, get this one figured out right here. <laughs> the only way to empty your expectations box and put the stuff back over there is that if you decide they don't owe me anything. Now, where do I get that? We're going to zero in on just those three verses that we read at the beginning here, taking in all the context of Ephesians so far, all that Christ has said that he's done for us up to this point. He's adopted us. He loves us. He's, he's been our rescue. You know, he's, he's our savior. And, and, you know, how do we reach that place, you know, that, that bar? You know, it's just becoming one of his children and walking around in his love. I mean, that's, we're his. So this is what Paul's going to say. But let me just say this first. This concept isn't just here in Ephesians. It starts in Genesis and it's all throughout the Bible. It's, it's not just a New Testament thing and it's not just one guy's opinion. But let me read this verse to you and then we'll talk about it. Chapter 5, verse 21. This is the Apostle Paul. He gives an introductory statement to this discussion on marriage. And here's the introductory statement. He's continuing from the verses uh, earlier on and he says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for who? For Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit here simply means I'm going to make your desires, your wishes, and your dreams a priority over mine. When it comes down to my wishes and desires and dreams and your wishes and desires and dreams, I'm going to prioritize yours over mine. That's all it means. He says, I want you to submit to one another. And here's the kicker. It doesn't say out of reverence for one another. You would expect him to say, you know, submit out of reverence for the other person. Sean, submit to Deanna out of reverence for Deanna. It doesn't say that. And so if you're not a Christ follower and you're trying to figure out marriage, basically that's what you're left to do, right? I'm just going to try to put you first. You're going to try to put me first. You need to try to figure that, that whole thing out. But the apostle Paul says, no, that's not it. I want you to submit your wishes and desires and dreams to the other person out of reverence, reverence is a sense of awe, right? Out of reverence, out of revere for Christ. Christ, your Savior, Jesus, you know, who came to the earth and died for your sins, all the first three chapters of Ephesians, in light of what he's done for you, I want you to show reverence and respect and submit 
to your spouse. <laughs> That's a powerful, powerful concept, isn't it? It would be as if I had a conversation with God that went something like this. You know, hey God, you are so powerful. I am so grateful for all that you've done for me. You've forgiven my sins. And I used to be a jerk, and maybe I'm not as bad of a jerk now. That's still up for debate. <laughs> but you've given me exactly what I don't deserve. You changed my life. You changed my habits. I don't deserve it, but you've given me grace and mercy, and you haven't given me what I do deserve, which is to be punished for all my sins and the promises that I broke to you. And I am so grateful to you what can I do to show you how grateful I am for all that you've done for me? What can I do? You guys, I want you to pay attention to what he's saying through Paul here. He says, I want you to take all your passion. I want to take all your gratitude and all that you have on the inside towards me. And I want you to shower that down on your wife. You see that? Well, okay, I, I know this is about me and you, God, but you did something for me, and I want to express my gratitude for you, my thanksgiving back to you. And God says, I heard you, <laughs> and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all that energy and all that passion and all that emotion and all that gratitude, and I want you to channel it right there on that individual that I've brought into your life, your wife, your spouse, your husband. Well, is there anything else? I mean, I can give 11% to the tithe. <laughs> you know what? I'll even go on a missions trip. I mean, <laughs> come on. God, you mean to tell me that what you need from me is that I can have a lousy marriage and you want me to give something on there with you? Where, you know, beyond that, you bless me and I bless you back. I mean, do we have to bring her into this? You know? <laughs> And he says, yeah, you see, I want you to submit to her and put her first, not even because she's earned it or deserves it. I want you to put her first because Sean, I put you first. I want you to do for her what I have done for you. And here's the deal. I want you to take this debt-free relationship that we have because you remember how I canceled all that debt for you? You don't owe me anything. You don't have to earn or perform for my affection. You don't have to pay back any debt. I want you to take that debt-free thing that we have going on and I want you to apply that to your marriage. And just as I've been clear that you don't owe me anything, I want to you to declare to your wife that she does not owe you a thing. I want you to, it says, submit out of reverence for me. Then it gets specific. Verse 22, how do we apply this? The wives, submit to your husbands because they're great. 
Submit to your husbands because they've earned it. <laughs> Submit to your husbands because they're worth submitting to, right? Submit to your husbands because they can be trusted with your submission. Submit to your husbands because they'll never take advantage of your submission. No, he says, he's consistent. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. To what you say? <laughs> you know how submitted you are to me? Yes, God, you're so, I'm so grateful. It's easy to submit to you. I mean, you've forgiven me and I'm so grateful. God says, I want you to take all that energy and all that passion and I want you to channel it towards your husband, towards your spouse. But God, if you've been paying attention, <laughs> Paul says it's about him. And God says, I want you, out of reverence for me, to love him the way that I love you. Then he goes on to speak to the husbands. Let's jump down to verse 25. Jump down a few verses. Husband, love your wives, just as they deserve to be loved, right? No. Here he goes again. <laughs> husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. So what he's saying, guys, is to love your wives like Christ loves you. Love your wife like Christ loved the church and... Look at this, just in case you missed it. And gave himself up for her. So guys, this isn't just about how lovable she is. It's not what she's earned or deserved. Paul's saying, I want you, out of reverence and out of awe for me, for Christ, God says to take all your passion and love for him and gratitude towards him. And I want you to channel it towards your wife. And here's specifically how I want you to do it. I want you to be willing to lay down your life. Why? Because I laid down my life for you. You know what that means, men? <laughs> it means that we have to learn how to communicate <laughs> to our wives. That we are, would be willing to wait, lay down our stuff and our gadgets and our plans and our business and our schedule and all of our stuff on our behalf. And we have to learn to make them feel that much of a priority. Why? Because they deserve it? I don't, you know, I don't know whether she does or not, but that's not the issue. It's no, because there was a time 2,000 years ago when God decided that he would lay down his priorities and his schedule and everything on your behalf. You died for my sins. How should I respond? One way is to lay down your life for your wife. God's saying it's the best demonstration of gratitude that I have. So take this debt-free relationship that you have with me and apply it to your marriage. Imagine what that would look like. 
And we say, but God, you know, that's asking a lot. What about me and my wishes and my desires and my dreams? Right? Doesn't that seem so selfish now, though? When we think about it, when you put it all in the context of what Paul is saying here, you know, our relationships, our marriages are in the shadow of the cross. Out of reverence for Christ and who he is. He says, I died for you. And if you want to say thank you to me, I want you to go home and I want you to channel all that gratitude right into the life and the heart and the soul of that man or that woman, whether you think they deserve it or not, because that's what I did. Now, what I want to say here I think is, is so important, and I don't know that I'll say it very well, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my mind around this as I was kind of looking at this scripture. But do you know why I think God designed marriage like this? And he, and he kind of puts this scripture in here. This is so incredible. I think God designed marriage to be like this because he's so interested in you knowing how much he loves you. Does that make sense? He was not content to be just this big, invisible you know, intangible God that's somewhere out there, you know, trying to give you a little ooey-gooey feeling every once in a while. But God says, I created marriage and there is a mystery in marriage. And if you're married, you know that, right? <laughs> but there's a mystery in marriage. The best way that I can try to describe it is that God wants Deanna, my wife, to know his tangible love and his present love so much that he put me there as a chaplain of sorts, <laughs> as an instrument of his love to her. So in that mystery, I'm going to lay down my life for her when she deserves it and maybe when she doesn't, but, there's, but that's a picture of how much God loves her. God has chosen me to be a reflection of his love to her in a tangible, touchable, there with you, present kind of way. That's how much he loves her. And he loves me so much that he put an actual person in my life and it's her responsibility to reflect his love to me. That's how much he loves everybody in this room. And I think that's why he designed marriage that way. And that's why he said, look, I want you to love them. Not the way that they deserve to be loved. I want you to love them the way that I loved you. Out of gratitude, out of reverence, awe. Go pour it on them because I want them to know how much I love them. You are demonstrating my love for your spouse. And that's a huge responsibility. But before you get all intimidated about it, I want you to turn it around because wouldn't you like to be a recipient of it? <laughs> Imagine a marriage where you're both loving each other that way. That's the ideal and that's the target. And no matter what you've been through or are going through or have, been go have gone through in a previous marriage or the kind of family that you grew up, 
I'm just telling you, because I believe this, when a man and a woman decide to enter into this thing by saying, you don't owe me. You don't owe me because it's not about me and you, it's about what God has done for me. And I'm gonna demonstrate my gratitude towards you and through you for what he has done for me. <laughs> it changes everything, doesn't it? And it's no longer a contract. And it's no longer, well, I will if you will, type of thing. It's no longer compromise. It's not about that anymore. It's all about you, and it's all about me, too, because God instigated his love through each of us towards each other. That's the mysterious part of marriage, and that's what God wants to do, and you can do in your future in your, and in your current marriage and in your relationships. So I can get locked and loaded on what Deanna's desires and wishes and wants are as long as I've, you know, loaded her up with expectations. And the only way to get focused on satisfying her dreams and desires and loving her unconditionally is to take my expectations off her and put them back in the other box. And that means I have to come to the conclusion that she doesn't owe me a thing. And the only way either of us can maintain that perspective of you don't owe me anything is to get focused on the one who first said to us, you don't owe me anything. Because I've already paid for your sins. I paid the debt that you're in. It's gone forever. Now take that same perspective on life and relationship and apply it to the one that you love and you've committed your life to. Because guess what? In my economy, they owe you nothing. So I know the pushback on this. I don't think I'm naive. The pushback is many times something like this. Pastor Sean, that's great but you don't know my husband, <laughs> right? Because here's, here's, let me give you the picture of, of me and my husband. I have to keep him on a tight leash. <laughs> I almost brought a stuffed animal and, and was gonna tie up a bear, but I thought that would be too hard hard for some of you. <laughs> That's great. But with my husband, I have to keep him on a tight leash. I mean, you should have seen what it was like before I got a hold of him. And I helped him. Come here, honey. Haven't I helped you? Yes, dear. Right? <laughs> Somebody said it. Or you don't know my wife. She can't handle five bucks, right? So I've got to keep her on a super tight leash. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm afraid that if I drop this rope and I empty this box, I'm afraid that, and you fill in the blank, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm concerned that he might. I'm concerned that she will. I'm concerned that he'll revert back to. I'm concerned, you know, that she's going to do this. And so this is huge. But let me try with a lot of grace to 
give you a picture of what this is. Do you know what you call it when you try to control somebody's behavior by putting them on a short or even a long leash and shortening and lengthening the leash based on their behavior? It's called parenting. See, as long, as long as I keep throwing my expectations out there, I'm going to be managing behavior. And that's a parenting model. That's not a marriage model. And you get into this dynamic with your husband or wife, and you'll never experience unconditional love because you can't express it or recognize it in this kind of relationship. Because when they do something good, it's, well, I set the bar high. They jumped and... I, you know, I told them to do it, right? <laughs> or I threw them a treat. And, and, and they're not feeling love this way, are they? <laughs> so they're just kind of meeting expectations. It's, it's like the husband, you know, saying, or the spouse saying, you know what? You were so good Last month, with that amount of money, I'm just going to give you just a little bit more. I'm going to give you a little bit more of lease to go on. Right? Look at there, honey. There you go. Let me give you a little bit more. As long as you come home at 6.30, dear. If you come home at 6.45, then I'm pulling this back tight. Right? But this isn't what you signed up for. This isn't what God intended. So we feel like we've got to stay in control. And you can wrap this thing around your wrist and you can put a chain and a lock on it and you can wire yourself up and duct tape and harness yourself to it. But, but and no one's going to budge. And we've got it all mapped out and worked out. As, and this is all I'm saying. All I'm saying is this. That's not what God had in mind when he said Submit. You cannot give or receive unconditional love in a relationship like that. That's managing expectations. So if they get out of line, then we got to give them a tug and have a conversation. And you know what? If that's what you want, I guess, go for it. But you will never experience what God designed for you to experience until you drop control. You don't owe me anything. And what you choose to do with that freedom spouse, don't miss this, because it's up to you, and it's between you and God. If you run off and do something crazy, then you run off and do something crazy. But I'm not your mom, I'm not your dad, and I'm just the person God has put in your life, right, to reflect his unconditional love for you, right? And what you do with that, you're an adult, it's up to you, and I'll stand before God and say, God, I was so grateful for you that I just loved her, and I'm so grateful to you that I just loved him. And maybe he ran off with my love, and he treated it irresponsibly, and he trampled it on it. But that's between you and him, and I, but I, just, I did my best to love him. But listen, you know, there's no guarantees, but here's what I'm saying with this. Here's what I'm saying. If you're afraid to drop the rope and empty the box and declare, you don't owe me, and I'm just gonna find out what's in this desire box and do my best to love you. If that scares you because of what they might do, I can understand why you would wanna hold on tight. I can understand that. But as long as you're holding on to that rope, 
You did not have the potential in the relationship to experience or give unconditional love. There's no place for it. In that kind of role, nobody recognizes or receives it. So by letting go of the rope, there's no guarantee that they're going to apply this, that this other person, that your spouse is going to apply it. Maybe they're not even here today and some of you are going, if only he or she was here, only if they were here, there's no guarantee. But here's the hope. This is why I'm saying go for this. Here's the hope. For God to invade the relationship and bring about change. This is your hope for them. To being able to identify your efforts to love them in, um, unconditionally, this is your hope to receive what you so desperately need. Because the reason that we're afraid to let go is because, you know, I don't want to be alone or, 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 you know, I don't want to be abandoned. In an effort to preserve what you want, you decrease your chances of ever experiencing what God wants you to experience which is unconditional love. And I believe God honors his word. So let's create the potential for God to do something unusual, right? Even in hard circumstances in our relationships. Okay, but what about my stuff and my hopes and my dreams? Well, I would say to that, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And then all these things will be added unto you. So are you willing to do the unusual thing? Would you stand with me? Are you willing to do the unusual thing and say this morning, God, I want to do for them what you did for me. And I'm willing to declare to my spouse, you don't own me. I'm just gonna love you. I'm just going to take my gratitude for what God has done for me and all that he's done for me. And I'm going to try to the best of my ability and I'm going to channel it and I'm going to funnel it to you. And then I'm going to leave the consequences and the outcome in the hands of my very capable God. Would you consider that? Yes. So I'm going to pray that God will give you wisdom to know what to do with you've heard because I know that every situation is different. But there it is. It may sound simple, but it's not exactly easy. But it is God's design. And when we follow the principles of God, it's an invitation for God to get involved. Amen. And he can do the miraculous. So and if you're like me, you want him to be involved. <laughs> You want him to be involved in your marriage and your relationship. So the best way to get him involved is to simply approach it the way that he asked us to do it. Submit out of reverence to me. Amen. Amen. Father God, we're just thankful for your word this morning. God, we're thankful for who you are. God, we're thankful for grace. God, I know it's so easy for us to want to hold on to the rope and try to control things. Lord, we're guilty. We've done that before. I've done it before. I've done it this week. Lord, help us in our relationships, Lord. To submit. And by submitting, 
we mean putting our dreams and our desires and our wishes in second place to those of the one that you've given us to love. God, help me to love her the way you love me. Help us to love them the way that you love us. God, thank you for the picture. God, thank you for your example. So help us to step into that this morning. Help us to be obedient to your word. God, I pray, Lord, that our marriages would be a declaration of who you are. That they would be a reflection of your love for us. God, it's so easy to love you, to be grateful for you, for all that you've done for us. Help us see what you meant for that picture to be for our spouse. you rearrange us you change our hearts here in this place this morning God we let's just pray this prayer together God I submit my heart to yours and if you're married I want to say I want you to say this I submit my dreams my desires my wishes to my spouse God, we want what you have for us. In your holy name, we pray together this morning. Amen. And amen. Amen. Amen.